Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast on May 19th. It's Thursday. I'm back better than ever. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, LibertyShield.com. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe from the ne'er-do-wells and the scumbags on the interwebs. Check out libertyshield.com, use the code EPL25, EPL25 at checkout. There are hardware and software packages. Software package can be downloaded straight to your device. Instant use, hardware package sent worldwide. Libertyshield.com, if you're a UK expat or an Irish expat, this is the thing to have. You'll get access to your BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, RT Player, whatever it is you need. LibertyShield.com will get you where you want to be. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off your football merchandising needs. Right, folks, I am back. Hope you're all well. I'm sure you didn't miss me too much. Um, just want to start by saying, if you're looking for a holiday destination, a weekend break, consider Leon. It is an absolute joy. From historic monuments to see, the Roman amphitheatre is incredible, the Basilica is incredible, the entire old town 
is just amazing. The people are incredibly friendly. There are, I think, I read over 3,000 restaurants in the city. I would highly recommend the Empanadas Club. It's an Argentinian restaurant. It's sensational, right up beside the Museum of Fine Arts. But everything about Leon was great, other than the fact that I buckled my knee on the second day there and then proceeded to march myself around the city like a lunatic for six days to see everything. And uh, I'm in quite a bit of pain today. So there's that, but it didn't spoil the holiday. Uh, I am glad to be back, though. I have missed doing this. I've missed talking about the Premier League and laughing at certain things and, you know, reveling in certain things. I was able to revel last night in Eintracht Frankfurt's victory in the Europa League final, defeating Rangers on penalties after what was a strange game of football. I mean... It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad either. It wasn't a dreadful game. I saw some people try and say that the standard was poor. I thought it was, there was a good bit of excitement in the game. I thought Eintracht looked really dangerous on the counter-attack. I have no idea how Filip Kostic hasn't played for bigger clubs in his career because he might be the best left-footed crosser in the world. He might be as a crosser, not as a footballer or as a passer, but as a crosser, he might be on the left when I think De Bruyne is on the right. Just a level above everybody else. His delivery is sensational and caused range, excuse me, Rangers so many problems last night. Rangers went one up through Joe Aribo. He's not going to be at Rangers next year. He's a Premier League player without question. On 57 minutes, he took advantage of a mistake by Tuta. Went through and finished well left-footed. That's a midfielder playing as a nine because Rangers have been struggling with some injuries. And he picks up that kind of goal. Rafael Santos Bora equalised on 69 minutes. The Colombian is a menace in front of goal. Very, very good player. Uh, Really enjoyed watching him this season. I thought Daichi Kamada had a really good game. I thought the two wingbacks for Eintracht were very, very good. But Rangers, to their credit, did play well. I thought Lundstrom had a good game. They're lucky to stay on. Should have, I thought he should have been sent off for the high foot after like five minutes on Sebastian Roda. Didn't even get booked. Um, but Bassi, the centre-back, what, what an outstanding performance from that young man. 22 years of age. How on earth did Leicester City allow him to leave for free? How has that happened? He spent five years in their academy and somehow they just allowed him to leave for free. Brendan Rodgers should be called in this morning and asked to answer questions on how that was allowed to happen. Because if you had him and Fafana, you would be set up for the long haul. Now, I actually think long-term Bassi might be best as the left side of a three, but really, really impressive performance. And again, I'd be surprised if Rangers don't get some calls about him this summer. I think he's more than capable of playing at a higher level than the Scottish Premiership. Um, Aaron Ramsey, the only player to miss a penalty. That obviously is um, very disappointing for him, considering the hype, the reputation, 
it, it was a strange one. He was brought on 118 minutes purely to take a penalty. So obviously he was confident. He was brought on for a player who'd only come on as a substitute in Sakala, who was brought on, I think, on like 74 minutes. Couldn't get into the game, but I would have fancied him for a penalty. But nope, off he went. I think Van Bronckhorst might have got that one wrong. Uh, Kimar Roof scored for Rangers. Santos Barry. Oh, sorry, it started off. Tavanier scored first. Then Lenz. Davies, Frustich, Arfield, Kamada. Ramsey missed. You knew Kostic wasn't missing. Kimar Roof scored. And Santos Barry with, Barry with the winner. Um, breaking Rangers' hearts twice in one night. You love to see it. You do. You love to see it. And congrats to Eintracht. What an incredible achievement. I think their manager really deserves his respect because what we've seen from him last season with Wolfsburg, he took them to the Champions League and nobody expected Wolfsburg to be a top four caliber team last season. Glasner had come in having done a really strong job at last in Austria where he was the only real competition for Salzburg who just run away with the league every year. But he did a great job at last, got the Wolfsburg job, did an outstanding job there, really, really did, gets them top four. And I thought he was mad to leave. I did. I thought he was mad to leave. Went to Frankfurt. This season, the league hasn't been great. I think that's fair to say. The league hasn't been ideal. But they won the Europa League. And when it comes down to it, that's what's really important is winning silverware. And their fans were incredible last night. They packed their part of the stadium in Seville. They packed the secondary stadium that had to be opened up for them to watch the game. And they packed their home stadium for people who didn't travel to Seville. They made their way, way there in numbers. They sang their hearts. And unlike the Rangers fans who left immediately after the final whistle and didn't even stay to see the medal presentations, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's still Eintracht fan, fans in the stadium right now. Just singing, jumping around, completely oblivious to the fact that everybody else has left and gone home. But what a wonderful achievement. And Oliver Glasner deserves immense amounts of credit. This is a club in Eintracht, who have had some heartbreaking failures. You know, they lost the European Cup final in 1960. They've flirted between being a good team and a bad team since then. They did win the U U uh, UEFA Cup back in 1980, I think 1980. And, you know, it's been a long time coming for them to have more success. The last real silverware they won was in 2018. They won the German Cup. But in terms of major silverware, this is it since 1980. One-time Bundesliga champion and now two-time UEFA Cup champion. Nobody can ever take it away from them. They're, those fans will remember that forever. And after Villarreal last season, 
it's great to see another club that weren't among those projected to win it. Now, I did say, and I'm going to toot my own horn here, I did say I fancied them to win it when Devon Rangers got through to the final. But I thought they'd win it in normal time because Rangers' away form has been poor in this competition, whereas Eintracht's away form has been really good and Eintracht end the competition unbeaten. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We do have football tonight. We've got three Premier League games. Two of them are vital to the futures of clubs involved. So the game that doesn't really have anything on the line is Chelsea versus Leicester. Chelsea already qualified for the Champions League after Arsenal's um, rather embarrassing showing at Newcastle. I did try to tell everybody not to trust this team, that they were Fugazi, that there was no fight in them, no leadership. People didn't want to listen, but there you go. Arsenal likely to miss out now on the Champions League because all Spurs need to do is go to Norwich and get a draw. So Spurs are going to be in the top four. Chelsea are guaranteed to be in the top four, as obviously are Liverpool and Manchester City. So with Chelsea having nothing to play for, it may be an opportunity for Thomas Tuchel to experiment, to perhaps play some of the younger players at the club, to perhaps go with a back four. If I was him, I would be saying to the likes of Antonio Rudiger, who's not going to be there next year, thank you and goodbye. Andreas Christensen, thank you and goodbye. There's actually a piece up on the BBC website about Andreas Christensen that is a little bit concerning. So Thomas Tuchel said he has withdrawn from multiple games because he didn't feel quite right to play. Uh, He had his reasons. They stay private and confidential. I really hope he isn't having any kind of mental health struggles because that is one of the toughest things anyone can deal with. So I do really, really hope that Andreas Christensen is okay. Um, Because that is tough. That is very, very tough. But yeah, I would be saying to him, if you're signed to go elsewhere, fair enough. Thanks. Goodbye. Um, Don't play anybody who's not committed to next season. Don't play anybody who's not in your plans for next season. Use these two games to figure out what you have. Use these two games to figure out what you're going to need. You should know already, but these will just finalise things for you. They play Leicester, like I said earlier. No, not on this podcast. It was on the Daily Red. Uh, Leicester are ninth in the league. Have a chance to jump Wolves and finish eighth, and probably will because they play Southampton on the final day while Liverpool play, uh, while Wolves play Liverpool, rather. So Leicester can finish eighth, so that's what they have to play for. They won't get European football, but... I do feel like if Leicester do jump Wolves, that will be the table lying to us all about who's been the better team this season because Wolves have clearly been the better team. They've just fallen apart in the last couple of months. Um, Going into the game, Chelsea have no Hudson-Odoi, no Chilwell. Werner is a doubt. Christensen, obviously, is a doubt. Kovacic is a doubt. And Kai Havertz is a doubt. So we'll wait and see who plays from those. In terms of Leicester, uh, Ricardo Pereira is a doubt. Mendy should be back. Yuri Tielemans is a doubt. Ryan Bertrand is out. Wilf Ndidi is out. And Hamza Chowdhury is out. 
So Leicester are going to be a little bit short as well. It should be a decent game, but there's nothing really of importance on the line here. So if you're going to pick a game, that's probably not the one to watch unless you're a Leicester or Chelsea fan. Two games that do have stuff riding on them. First up, Everton at home to Crystal Palace. Now, Everton have given themselves a bit of a fighting chance, but the draw away to Watford, not good. Losing at home to Brentford, not good, especially when they were ahead twice in the game. They had two players sent off. The lack of discipline, quite poor, especially with the the Rondon one. I understand the frustration, but there was nothing nothing in that game that, shouldn't have gone the way it did. Everton were complaining afterwards. Lampard loves a good complaint, talking about the referees not giving them decisions. You were given a penalty for what looked a fairly blatant dive. So I don't know what more you would want there. Um, Everton currently 16th. They're a point ahead of Leeds. But Everton's last game is Arsenal. Now, Arsenal have to win that game. They have to go and try and win that game. Forget Spurs. Try and win the game and then worry about what Spurs have done afterwards. Just get your three points and worry about Spurs afterwards. So it's tough to see Everton going to the Emirates and getting anything. Whereas Leeds, they play Brentford. Brentford have nothing to play for. Their season's as good as done. Now, it is a home game for Brentford, so they may want to go out on a high. So that is tough for Leeds, and Leeds' goal difference means that they need to win to finish above Everton. Burnley, obviously, the third team, and we'll we'll get to them in a sec. Going into the game tonight, Everton will be without Nathan Patterson. Uh, Yerry Mina is a doubt. Ben Godfrey is a doubt. Jared Branthwaite is suspended. Fabian Delph is out, Andros Townsend is out, Solomon Rondon is out, and obviously Gilfie Sigurdsson is out for other reasons. Um, It's hard to see Everton winning this game, uh, to be honest. It is hard to see them winning this game. Palace have no Elise, that's disappointing, obviously. Nathan Ferguson is still working his way back from a whole bunch of injuries. James Tompkins is a doubt, and James MacArthur is a doubt. But Palace, I feel look like a team that should win this game. I thought they played quite well against Villa. I think there's a a drive in this Palace team to finish as high up the table as they can. And obviously their last game is against Manchester United. The potential to win both games and finish with over 50 points, it would be 51 points. That would be a big achievement for Palace in this first season under Vieira. So I think Palace can go to Goodison and win the game. If they can get an early goal, I think that crowd really starts to turn against Everton. I think it really starts to turn on the players. They've been borderline now the last couple of weeks. I think if Palace can get an early goal, it, it can go really, really badly for Everton. Now, look, it, it, we may have a situation where Everton lose both of their last games and still stay up because Leeds and or Burnley are just inept, but I, I still don't know that I fancy Everton to stay up. I think Leeds going to to Brentford, I think that's a winnable game for them. 
I think Burnley have a winnable game on the final day as well. Whereas Everton have a much harder game. Everton need to get their points tonight. One point isn't enough because it still keeps the situation but leads the same. They really do need the three. But if they can get a point here and then a point at the Emirates, then it, it won't matter. Um, I'm going to pick a Palace win. I'll say 2-1. As long as that defence is there, I think they're going to have a good chance to contain Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. And I think they'll cause Everton problems at the other end of the pitch. I think without Yerry Mina, Mateta could be in business tonight. Ezzy has looked better and better as the weeks have gone on. I think Zaha is going to want to end the season on a high. Potentially, it's his last season at, at Palace. So, you know, he's want to, going to want to go out with a bit of a bang. I think Vieira will have his boys motivated as well. I think just the sight of Lampard in the other dugout will get Vieira up for this one. So, I think I think Palace win this one. I think the Chelsea-Leicester one ends in a draw. And then the final game is Aston Villa at home to Burnley. Now, these teams met a couple of weeks ago and Villa ran out very, very comfortable winners. Going into tonight's game, no Konza done for the season. Done for a while. Potentially done until into next season. Uh, Leon Bailey is most likely out. Emmy Martinez has an issue, so he could miss out. And Courtney Hawes is, is ruled out. So it's... Mings and Chambers at centre-back. Potentially the backup goalkeeper, Robin Olsen. And no Bailey to stretch the field with pace. Could make, could make Burnley's job a bit more straightforward, but Burnley have a lot of issues of their own. Peters is out, Vidra's out, Westwood's out, Tarkovsky's a doubt, Rodriguez is a doubt, Ben Mee most likely out, and Goodmanson is out. He's done for the season. They're really hoping that Tarkovsky and Rodriguez will be back for this one. Really, really hoping for that. But I think Burnley will cause Villa some problems here. I know Villa walloped them a few weeks ago. I'm fully aware that that happened. But I do just feel like Burnley will get something. I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I just feel like Burnley, they're a little bit like the Walking Dead. They just keep dragging themselves along. I think they're going to stay up. I think it's one of Leeds or Everton that go down. But if Everton lose tonight and Burnley get the draw, we go into the final day, Everton 36 points away to Arsenal, Leeds 35, 35 points away to Brentford, Burnley 35 points at home to Newcastle. Burnley have a better goal difference than Everton. So a draw would keep them up if Everton lose. Leeds would need to win. I want to see drama on the final day. We're getting drama at the top, Liverpool City. We're getting that drama. We're getting drama for fourth. It's minimal drama because, look, if Tottenham don't get a point at Norwich... Just liquidate the whole club. Give give Kane and Son and all the good players free transfers. Let them go wherever they want. And then take the bad players and put them in, I don't know, Division 3 or somewhere. Just get rid of them. Let Conte leave. 
burn the stadium down. Just be done with it. Because if you can't get a point at Norwich, who are already down with nothing to play for, I mean, what's the point? So there's a little bit of drama there, not a whole lot. And we do have a little bit of drama for sixth as well, because United go to Palace, West Ham go to Brighton. If West Ham win and United fail to win, West Ham will get sixth in Europa League and United will get seventh and Conference League, which would just really be the icing on the cake for what this United season has been. So I'm going Leicester to draw with Chelsea, Palace to beat Everton, Burnley to draw with Villa. That's my my predictions for tonight. No doubt they'll all be wrong, uh, but sure we can laugh about it tomorrow. And then tomorrow we will, myself and Guy will be discussing the last weekend of this Premier League season. It's hard to believe this season is, is basically over. It really is. This season has flown by. And that's two seasons now we'll have covered here on the Two-Footed Podcast. Uh, we'll take a break there. And when we come back, we've got gossip. There's only a couple of questions because obviously I've been away and so I didn't ask for any, but there are a few there that we'll, we'll get into. And uh, we'll be done nice and early today because, you know, you want to ease yourself back in in holiday mode. Thankfully, the Irish weather is, um, well, appalling. So, you know, that's made things nice and easy for me. But uh, I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So we have some news. Samuel Luckhurst of Manchester Evening News is reporting that Dean Henderson is closing in on a move to Newcastle. Uh, Luckhurst understands he travelled, he being Henderson, travelled to Newcastle for talks yesterday. Uh, Looks like that could be a loan with the obligation to buy, uh, which I think could be a good deal for everybody, depending on what the final purchase price would be. Henderson is too good to sit on the bench for United. He's probably not quite good enough to start for a club like United with Champions League ambitions, but I think he's the best English goalkeeper around. I think it's him and Nick Pope. I'd probably lean towards him just with his age, been that bit younger. So it could be a very, very good buy for Newcastle. Now, you'd wonder what it means for Dubravka, who's been really good the second half of the season. Will he be happy to be a number two? Potentially. I'd imagine it means Freddie Woodman will be off. And I think there'll be a number of clubs interested in him. I could see Crystal Palace having a strong interest in him as they look for a successor for Gaeta. And having Woodman and Jack Butland would give them, I think, a strong a strong goalkeeping situation moving forward. Uh, his loan to Bournemouth has not been a success. It was, as I suggested at the time, a complete waste of time uh, because Mark Travers has just been in excellent form. So there was no real reason for Bournemouth to sign him, other than Scott Parker just having more money to spend than anybody else. Um, but yeah, Dean Henderson to Newcastle looks like it is a goer. Uh, Guy tells me Middlesbrough will be after all the goalkeepers. Um, perhaps, perhaps Middlesbrough would be well sorted to look after Carl Darlow because he's likely going to leave Newcastle as well. He's a very good goalkeeper. He'd be a huge upgrade for Newcastle, or for Middlesbrough, he might be happy to stay in the area. So maybe that's what, what Borough could do. 
Uh, right, we have a couple of questions here somewhere. Let me find them. Right, AMK2889. Uh, Liverpool have just completed the uh, this is a hypothetical situation, obviously. Liverpool have just completed the signing of Chuameni. We're now faced with the possible signings of Sandro Tonali and Rafael Leao from Milan in exchange for Jordan Henderson, Sadio Mane, and Nabi Keita. Do you make that transfer? Um, I love Rafael Leao. I think he is spectacularly talented. But I'm not a huge Sandro Tonali fan. Now, if it's Ishmael Benasser and Rafael Leao, then I do that deal. And while people will say, but Sadio's better than Leao, yes, at the minute he is. But Sadio has one year left in his contract and potentially could leave for free. And Nabi and Benasser are about even. But Nabi has one year left on his contract and could leave for free. I think I would do the deal for Benesser and Leo, but not for Tonali and Leo. Not for Tonali and Leo. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, Owen Hurley. Assuming Milner, Nat Phillips, Reese Williams, Ox, Tacky, and Rigi leave this summer, we could be looking at a bit more activity than normal this year. Carvalho is done. And it looks like we're in for Vieira. That's Fabio Vieira from Porto and Chuameni from Monaco. But if we wanted a Robbo-style diamond in the rough, is there any two or three players in the relegated posi- relegation positions who you could would think could come in and raise the level of the squad? So there are a couple. There genuinely are a couple. Now, it looks like Liverpool are going to sign Calvin Ramsey, the young right-back from Aberdeen. But Max Ahrens from Norwich would be a really good signing. Max Ahrens is, I think, potentially a very, very good right back who has shown improvement defensively in the last couple of years and has shown in the past you can run your attack through him, which is obviously similar to what Liverpool do with Trent. Now, he's more of a ball carrier than a passer, but I think he's a really, really good player. So he'd be one. Um... Let's actually pull up the Norwich squad for a sec. Norwich City. There's a couple of others in that squad for sure. We'll just go through them. Tim Krul will be a no, uh, unless he wanted to come in and be the third choice keeper. Sam Byram, injuries sort of skewed what his career should have been. When he broke through at Leeds, he really did, did look like he would be a very, very good long-term right-back. Uh, ben Gibson, no. Grant Hanley, absolutely not. Zimmerman can never stay fit. Lucas Rupp, no. Billy Gilmore, I still don't know what he is. Kieran Down, no. Plachetta, no. Quebec, we had him. Uh, Matthias Norman, no. Milot Rashika as like a sixth or seventh attacker, maybe. Uh, Christos Tsoulos, the young... Greek winger, I, I would take him. I would take a flyer on him. Now, I don't think you'll get him because Norwich only bought him last summer and they bought him for the long haul on a five-year deal. So they'll be happy enough to go down and bring him with them. Um, but yeah, I, I do really like him. I would I would definitely kick the tires on him. 
Uh, Sorensen, no. Lee's Maloon, no. Brandon Williams isn't theirs. Uh, Timo Puki, no. Kenny McLean, no. Josh Sargent is Dirk Cout with less talent. Angus Gunn, no. Giannolis, no. Um, Michael McGovern, no. Adam Aday, or Ida? Ida Aday? I don't know. Um, there's a player there, but I think he needs to stay at Norwich a bit longer. Uh, Gibbs, no. Omabamadeli, I would take. Oh, Andrew Omabamadeli, I would take, because he can play anywhere across the back line. I think he can always have, you can always find a spot in your squad for someone with that type of versatility as a fifth centre back who can also be your third choice at both full back spots. I'd probably take him. Um, and of those they've got on loan, I mean, Todd Cantwell's probably the most interesting of them, and he's not really all that interesting anymore. So, I would say from Norwich, Max Aarons and Christos, Max Aarons, Christos Solis, and Andrew Omabamadeli are the ones I would look at. Uh, moving on then to Watford. Watford have a couple. Now, the obvious ones are obviously the attackers, but we'll do the same thing. We'll run through their squad and see what they have on offer. Um, here we go. Ben Foster. I mean, look, if you needed a um, if you needed a, a goalkeeper to be your third choice for the quota who accepted that he was never going to play, uh, then, yeah, I mean, Ben Foster would be fine. Uh, Daniel Backman, absolutely not. Rob Elliott, no. And Gakia, no. Danny Rose, definitely not. Truce Kong, Messina and Colo, no. Kamara, I like. I think he's been quite good, but it'd be a no. Uh, Craig Cathcart, absolutely not. Kiko Femeni, a no. Samir, no. Cabasali, definitely not. Seralta, there's talent there, but it, the poor lad can't stay fit. Uh, James Morris, I don't know enough about. Thibaut, no. Loses a poor man's version of Benister that I mentioned earlier, so no. Cleverly, definitely not. This midfield is tragic. Uh, Ken Semitan Gosling, uh, Osam Tufan, who they, they sent away and yet still would have had to buy if they stayed up. Baffling deal. Uh, Musa Soko, no. Kuka, no. Kayembe, they don't even want him. Um, Conte, don't know enough about. Uh, Josh King, no. Ashley Fletcher, no. Samuel Kalu, there's talent there, but he needs time. Kucho Hernandez, I would consider. As a, as a backup left winger, he is someone I would consider. I think there's real talent there. So he's someone I definitely would consider. Um, Emmanuel Dennis, I would say yes. Ishmael Assar, I would say yes. But the one I would really want from Watford is João Pedro. I think he is super talented. And I think he's the type that could come in and replace Origi and be molded as the Firmino successor, as that false nine type. I think he's really, really good, genuinely. Him and Hernandez would probably be my top two on the list because I think Sar and Dennis would have higher demands in terms of wages and playing time. And I think the fees would be a little bit more. But uh, those two, Hernandez and Jeb Pedro, would be the two that I would want personally. 
Burnley. Uh, Nick Pope. I mean, he's a very good goalkeeper, but not for Liverpool. Matt Loughton, no. Charlie Taylor is not a bad left back at all. He's, he's quite good, but no, we have two better. Uh, Cork, no. Tarkovsky, uh, no. Ben Mee, no. Goodmanson, no. Brownhill, no. Veghorst. As the plan B striker, if, the, if he was cheap, maybe. Uh, Ashley Barnes, definitely not. Dwight McNeil, I would take. I would take Dwight McNeil. I think he can play in a multitude of positions in Liverpool's 4-3-3. I think he could be a left-back. I think he could play left side of the midfield. I think he could play right side of the midfield as well. And I really like him. I think Dwight McNeil has lots and lots of talent. So I would take Dwight McNeil. Uh, Wayne Hennessy, no. Connor Roberts, no. Dale Stevens, no. Aaron Lennon, absolutely not. Uh, Westwood, Rodriguez, no. Max Cornet, I would take. No question. As a backup to Salah, yeah, no problem. Definitely take him. Nathan Collins, I really like, but he's not really suited to how Liverpool play, and he needs to play more regularly, so I hope he stays at Burnley. Um, there are some rumours doing the rounds. Now, I would take them with a pinch of salt because, well, largely because Burnley don't know who the manager's going to be next year. But there are some rumours doing the rounds that Burnley are potentially going to sign a couple more Irish centre-backs. Luke McNally of Oxford is one. And the other one is the kid at Cardiff, whose name is escaping me, was, was at Arsenal. Um... Christ, that is annoying. What's his name? Mark McGuinness. Mark McGuinness. Both of them being linked to Burnley. That would give Burnley three big, brutish Irish centre-backs. Mark McGuinness is born in England, but he plays for the Irish under-21 team. Um, the three of them in rotation would be pretty strong. But anyway, I think he needs to stay there. Peters, no. Norris, no. Barzin, there's nobody else in that squad. That, that is just what that is. Uh, Leeds United, we know who we would want. Rafinha would be one, and Calvin Phillips would be the other, but let's go through the rest. Melier, talented, without question, so you'd, you'd take him potentially as a backup if Kelleher was leaving. Uh, the same thing for Christopher Klassen, who's also very talented. Ailing, definitely not. Firpo, no. Cock, no. Cooper, no. Lorente is very good. He just can't stay fit. And he's not a Liverpool type of centre-back. Uh, Pascal Striek, I would take, without doubt. Uh, Leo Hjeld, I would take, without doubt. Cresswell and Drema, very talented, but no. Uh, Forshawn, no. Rafinha, obvious, yes. Dallas, no. James, no. Harris, no. Calvin Phillips, obvious, yes. Lewis Bate, yes. Uh, Somerville, yes. McKinstry, I don't know enough about. Glish, no. McCarran, no. Shackleton, no. Jack Jenkins, yes. Bamford, no. Roberts, no. Rodrigo, definitely not. Sam Greenwood, maybe. But Joe Gelhard, absolutely. Absolutely would take Joe Gelhard. Liverpool lad would be coming home, and I think he is massively gifted. Massively gifted. Can play anywhere in the front three. 
uh, I would definitely take Joe Gellhard. Gellhard, Struik, those would be the two diamonds in the rough. And then obviously um, Rafinha and Harrison are the two kind of big ticket items there. Uh, we wouldn't, Everton aren't going to sell anyone to Liverpool, but, you know, we might as well go through the squad while we're doing this and see who's worth taking. Uh, Pickford is a definite no. John Joe Kenny's a no. Nathan Patterson is a yes. I would take him. Uh, Holgate, no. Michael Keane, no. Alan, as a backup to Fabinho, maybe, if he was free. Uh, Richarlison, no. He's just his person. The guy's a prick, so no. Uh, Fabian Delph, no. Calvert-Lewin, yeah, I probably would. I probably would. It would have to be cheap. I wouldn't pay whatever I want from. Uh, Damari Gray, squad player, fine. Uh, Yeri Mina, if he could stay fit, yeah, but he can't, so no. Uh, Townsend, no. Begovic, no. Dekure, no. Iwobi, no. Michaelenko, no. Gomez, no. Ben Godfrey, yeah, but I'd be developing him as a, as a holding midfielder, not as a centre-back. Um, Seamus Coleman, no. Anthony Gordon, definitely not. Gabaman, no. Uh, Tom Davies, no. Cenk Tusen, no. Lonergan, no. Branthwaite, no. Solomon Rondon's a no. They don't own El Ghazi. Ellis Sims, I don't know enough about. I, I would take Delhi. I, I would, I just, I, Delhi will always be someone that I have a soft spot for. So I would take Delhi. Um, yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it. Uh, Mr. Kevin Clark, I, it's more a joke than a question, but it is something interesting. Uh, Porto is becoming the new Southampton. Obviously, Liverpool have done the deal for uh, Luis Diaz in January. And now being linked with a couple of other players, Vitania is one, was at Wolves. It didn't really work for him. He was bought to play in a system that Wolves then couldn't play in. And the other one being Fabio Vieira. Both of them very, very talented. Um, I also really like the look of Evan Nielsen, the young Brazilian striker who has scored 21 goals this season. I do quite look, like the look of him. He'd be one I'd be keeping an eye on. Um, and that's probably it. At the minute, those three. Now, I think Vitania needs at least another year um, because he's had, don't get me wrong, he's having a very good season, but it's only really been since about mid-November. So I want to see more of it over a, over a full year. And then... Fabio Vieira, again, super talented, but again, I need to see more because this is really his first season as a regular first-team starter. Uh, but he has had a, a magnificent year. There's, there's no doubting the talent. Uh, as there's no doubting the talent of Vitinha, of Vitinha, um I'd be doubting that little moustache of his now. But, but yeah, I mean, Porto always always recruit well that's the thing that Porto have made their bones on is recruiting well developing well and then selling it at good profit um, Vieira makes the most sense of anyone there now on the Daily Red pod I think it was a few weeks back I said that Lovro Meyer 
of Wren is a player I would love Liverpool to sign. Because if you look at Liverpool's midfield, uh, at the moment, you can sort of, you know, Fabinho's the starting holding midfielder. Henderson's best role is as a backup holding midfielder. Naby and Thiago are better on the left. Harvey Elliott was starting on the right before his ankle injury. And if you wanted, you know, a more mature, older version of him, so you'd have two similar players in that role, they play the role differently, but they're similar in that the geometry of the team doesn't need to change. It would make sense, I said, to go and buy Lavra Meyer. Fabio Vieira would fit in there as well. Now, I would prefer Meyer to Vieira. I think he's a better player. He is a couple of years older. But I think Lavra is just outstanding. Um, I think he's ready. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Vieira is ready to come to a club like Liverpool, but maybe he is. Maybe he is. Like he, he is 22. He's not a child. He's 21. So he'll be 22 in, in a, a week and a half. He's not a kid. Um, but I, I, I would still be hesitant on that one. Look, if if the deal can be done at a good price, then you you take it. If you can get him for 18 to 20 million, you probably do take it. Um. But part of me thinks him and Vitinha should stay at Porto and just continue to develop for another year. I think it's best for Porto as well because they'll get bigger fees next year. Um, yeah, uh, Porto's like always an interesting club to look for talent at. But so is Benfica, so is Sporting. Braga always pop up with one or two. I mean, David Carmel was there at the minute. He'd be certainly one I'd look at. You know, at Benfica, you've got You've got Darwin, who is a monster in front of goal. And then at Sporting, you've got the two centre-backs, who I think are big, big talents. You've got Charisma, who I think has real potential to be something special. And then the more ready one of them is Inacio, who has been linked to City already. And it's kind of a shame that one or both of them will probably leave this summer because they could have been developing the two of those and Nuno Mendes as three quarters of a back for homegrown that had sky high potential. But Mendes obviously went to PSG loan with an option to buy. It looks like PSG will take up that option. Uh is currently on loan and just getting his getting his games, getting his development. Super, super talent. Uh Inacio seems to be the one who is most ready to move on this summer. Um they had Tiago Tomas as well in that team. Mad. That youth team of sporting had so much talent when, when they all came through at one time. They're all born within, he's August 2001, he's June 02, he's March 02, and he is June 02. They'd all have been probably same age group coming through. Um, but yes, yeah, sporting always have a very, very talented academy. They've always got players of interest. You look at their their first team right now, Matthias Nunes would be very, very interesting. Uh, João Polinha, if you wanted a backup to Fabinho, or if you're another club and you wanted a starting holding midfielder, he'd be one. Uh, Ugarte is very, very interesting, a super aggressive 
uh, Uruguayan midfielder. And obviously then you've got Concalves, who had the sensational season last year, has been plagued by injuries this year and not been the same level of player, but still managed 15 goals in, in 41 games, which isn't bad. Um, but he just playing with niggling injuries. They've got Marcus Edwards, formerly of Spurs, moved to Portugal with Vitoria, did really, really well there. Sporting picked up in January. I'd expect that next season we'll see a lot more of Marcus Edwards for Sporting. But they're, they're a club that are always exciting. They're a club that are always worth keeping an eye on because there's always good players uh, appearing in, in the big four in Portugal. Just always worth your while keeping an eye out. And they've got Pedro Porro, who they've just done the permanent deal for from City. Now, it may well be that they flip him this summer and he goes somewhere else for a big profit, but another super talented player. Um, we'll do the gossip and we'll be done for... Oh, hang on. Question coming in as we speak. Question for the pod, the Langstar. The Fran- France squad has just been announced and Kanate has been excluded again. What does he have to do to convince Deschamps that he's good enough? Um, he probably needs to set himself up as the, as the undisputed first-choice starter at Liverpool, which I think will be the case next season. I could be wrong. But, I mean, look, he's so young still that it's not a major panic for him. Uh, right, the squad is Lloris Ariola Magnon. That's pretty strong. Uh, Varane, who's had a poor season. Dina. Benjamin Pavard, who somehow continues to get in the squad despite, again, not playing well this year. Lucas Hernandez. I mean, Kempemba to me just isn't good. Uh, I don't know what the situation there is uh he is good he's just not elite level and they have a bunch of elite level center backs Kunde is obviously going to be great Teo Hernandez is outstanding if you haven't seen this goal for AC Milan the weekend go and watch it uh William Saliba getting in over Kanate is laughable uh but again he is just playing more regularly uh Jonathan Kloss he's in because France just don't have right backs for some reason they forgot to when they're putting the order in at the factory, didn't produce any right backs. Um, let's see, we've got Kante, Rabio, Chumani, Guendozi. Uh, well done, Arsenal, by the way. Well done. Seven million, I think you're getting for him. Great, great deal. Uh, Bubakar Kamara getting his first call up. That's good news. And then the forwards, you've got Griezmann, you've got Benzema, you've got Mbappe. Mbappe has 54 caps already. Uh, Kingsley Coleman, Wissam Ben Yedder, Moussa Diaby, and Chris Frankunku. No Usman Dembele is a surprise, but good to see Diaby and Nkunku there, two super talented players. Uh, no Pogba, he's injured. No Upamecano. Talk Kurt Zuma might have made it. He's had a pretty good season. Leo Dubois should be in right back over Jonathan Claus personally, but it is what it is. Uh, I think Kanata just needs to play more regularly at, at Liverpool. That's basically what it comes down to, and I think we'll see more of it next season. Right, on to the gossip, and we will get done for the day. 
Manchester City are interested in signing Calvin Phillips as they look to replace Fernandinho. Um, Calvin Phillips is a weird fit for you for City, but look, he's not going to he's not going to join City because he's not going to be willing to play the kind of role that they want for him, which is to be the Fernandinho type of backup to Rodri. So I would say probably not uh, is the truth there. Um, Paris Saint-Germain are getting ready to move for Sadio Mane. I mean, offer and I'm, I'm sure it'll be considered, you know, but it's going to cost you 70 million, but you're, you're in a situation where Mbappe is leaving and you probably need to make that statement signing. And Sadio Mane is a statement signing. Um, Manchester United have told Barcelona they will not blow their budget on a 70 million deal for Frankie Dion. United not blowing their budget. Well, this is the first time for everything. Ten Hag has added Lissandro Martinez to the list of players he wants to bring to Old Trafford this summer. Um, if you're playing a back three, Martinez is ideal in the Premier League. I think Spurs should be in for him. I think he'd be ideal on the left side of, of a Conte back three. Uh, in what will most likely be a back four for United, he would get targeted because he's 5'10". And teams would just put a big fella on him and lump the ball at him. And as aggressive and as good as he is, he would struggle. United are also interested in Sergei Milinkovic-Savage. That is just something that comes up every single year and nothing ever comes from it. PSG and Juventus remain in the hunt for Paul Pogba. No one cares. Just, just go away at this point, Pogba. Uh, Chelsea want to sign Alessio Ramagnoli this summer on a free transfer. That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, he is not very good, though. Like, he's decent, but he never developed properly. The player he was at Roma when he was 18 is better than the player he is now. He had a couple of good seasons at Milan, but no. Um, Arsenal's Ivory Coast winger, Nicolas Pepe, is frustrated at his lack of game time and could push to move away. Arsenal will be taking a substantial loss on Nicolas Pepe. Leicester are set to inquire about Brighton's 50 million rated Spain goalkeeper, Robert Sanchez. 50 million for Robert Sanchez. Behave yourself. The Telegraph making things up as they go along. Uh, but no, look, you can do better. Uh, he's, he's, he's not it. He's not it. Um, Arsenal are expected to bid 35 million for Gabriel Jesus, who is set to leave City following Erling Haaland's arrival. It's from Chris Wheatley, so the man knows his stuff. So that and the Pepe stuff is correct. Um, Arsenal Chiefs are holding talks over whether to sell Brazilian defender Gabriel this summer. He is by a substantial margin, their best central defender. So that would be very, very stupid. Uh, England midfielder Conor Gallagher and Albania forward Armando Brogia will return to Chelsea when their respective loans end. Um, Thomas Tuchel said they'll come back and be part of pre-season and decisions be made. That's all he said. So there's nothing really to write home about there. But, you know, the spoofer with the catchphrase has to, has to get his tweets out to get his interactions uh, Chelsea have put plans in place to sign Sevilla's France centre-back, Jules Koundé. Um, you can't take 
this too seriously because the journalist who wrote has no credibility. Chelsea also planned to open talks with Usman Dembele. No. Uh, John McGinn is one of Tottenham's potential list of summer transfer targets. Really? I would have doubts. It is Mike McGrath. I would still have doubts. I would still have strong doubts. I think that might be coming from John McGinn's agent trying to secure him a a new contract rather because John McGinn is not good enough to play for a top 14. That's just what it is. John McGinn is a decent mid-table player, but he's not good enough to play for a top club. Last contract was signed in 2020. It does run till 2025, but I reckon he's looking for more money. Um, Southampton have put two Manchester City Academy graduates on their shortlist for this summer. England under-19 under striker Liam Delap and Republic of Ireland goalkeeper Gavin Basunu. So first of all, uh, Gavin Basunu is not a Manchester City Academy graduate. Uh, he was playing first-team football for Shamrock Rovers when City signed him. So he's not an academy graduate. Um, yeah, so stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, Fulham's Zambo and Gisa will remain at Napoli next season. Yeah, they've Napoli have announced that they've completed the signing of Zambo for 15 million, which is a an immense bargain. Um, and him and Fabian Ruiz together are really, really good. Manchester United's under-23 boss, Neil Wood, is in talks with Salford City to become, become the new manager. Jesus wept. Gary Neville talks it at both sides of his mouth, that lad, doesn't he? We'll leave it there for today, folks. Thank you, as always, for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Podcast Network.